now for your feature presentation. One, or two, or three, or four, but five, What's up, listeners? I'm your host, screenwriter, ex-video store clerk, and fellow listener Jason Kleberg, and this is Force 5, a show where I force my guest to come up with a movie-themed top five list topic, and then we reveal our picks on air. It's October, the beginning of my favorite time of year, and while some people are waiting for the leaves to change color or pumpkin spice everything, I'm always excited for the horror films, both new in theaters and revisiting some of my old favorites. And who better to join me to kick off the spooky season than a podcast that focuses on horror films, the podcast that wouldn't die. We talk about a ton of great films on this episode, leave off some pretty big hitters, and I can almost guarantee that one of the films on my list is one of the most obscure flicks I've ever put on a list. So sit back, relax, and think about what would be on your list of top five horror comedies. But first, we got a couple things to uh, to get to. On the last show, I had Phil Iscove, screenwriter and co-host of Podcast Like It's, on to talk top five One Crazy Night films, and you definitely let us know what we missed across social media and the Cinematics Facebook page. Not in the top five, did they get it right? Excuse my language. Okay. Hell no. <laughs> I can't believe. Who, who made that list? Who made that? That's blasphemous. Don't look at me. That's blasphemous. BFF and uh, past guest twice on the show, Moose, said Panic Room. Yes, that would definitely count as one crazy night. Twelfth Cafe said Ready or Not. Uh, underrated film. I really love that one. BH Crom 831 said The Raid and Locke. I have not seen Locke. Is it good? Let me know if I should seek that out. Tricky Balls, great name, said Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Save the Last Pod said Go, the Doug Lyman film that I haven't seen since I saw it in theaters in what was that, 99? So um, yeah, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be rewatching that one soon for another project that I'm working on. Peta Beta from the Middle Class Film Class podcast said Murder Party. That's the only Jeremy Saulnier film I have not seen, so I need to seek that out. David Wangberg said Collateral. Bruce Perky said Miracle Mile, Night of the Living Dead, and House on Haunted Hill, the original. So all great suggestions. We also had a correction that I need to make right. Speaking of, Bruce Perky said, Not to be the correction guy, but being an old school punk, I just had to say the Dead Kennedys are the originators of Nazi punks fuck off. Also, they are from your neck of the woods, so there's that. The unique thing about that song, well, when you bought it as a single in 1980 or 1981, the vinyl came with a Nazi punks fuck off armband. I remember one of my best friends wearing it to high school and getting in trouble. And he sent me a picture of one of those those armbands and uh, looks pretty awesome. So I think in the episode, I credited it to Napalm Death, which apparently was a, uh, a cover of the Dead Kennedys. So there's that. Thank you, Bruce. If you have a correction notice or a film recommendation for this show's topic, horror comedies, I'm on Twitter at Force5Pod and every other social media outlet as Force5Podcast. If you'd like to reach me by email, come and find me at Force5Podcast at gmail.com. Which is a great segue to today's review, which is a film called Come and Find Me from 2016. I'm Claire. David. Yeah, it's a, it's a hobby of mine. I know how to paint. I don't know if you do. I love you. I do. I really do. 
Hey, babe. Where are you? Call me, okay? Listen, have you spoken with Claire? And you haven't seen her? No. Claire? Did you guys have a fight before she left? You're a million miles away, and I can't bring you back. No, everything was fine. Best case scenario is that she just left. But who walks out like that? There were never any leads or anything. No. Have you seen this girl? Maybe it would be better for you if you stopped looking for her. Maybe you don't like what you find. Come and Find Me is a modern noir about a man named David who wakes up one morning to find that his girlfriend Claire has gone missing, just straight up vanished. We then fast forward to about a year later, something we decidedly only learn through conversation because David and the house he's renting look exactly the same. When one of their old friends comes backpacking into town and the two have a drink and share some conversation, and the next day David comes home to the man destroying his house looking for something. See, it turns out Claire wasn't the person she claimed to be, and in the interest of finding answers to so many of his questions, David starts turning over some rocks that should have been left alone. After a run-in with some psychotic Russians that would have sent anybody fleeing, David decides instead to dig his heels in, which at first glance seems weird considering he's supposed to be some kind of normal nerdy LA graphic designer, but not all that weird when we haven't actually seen him do any work, and when the landlord comes knocking to boot him out, we realize he probably hasn't worked in a while. Using a series of cryptic clues that no actual person would ever piece together, oh, what might this street sign reflection in the background of one of these obscure pictures my girlfriend took lead to? He finds himself mixed up with a few different unsavory characters, including relentless government agents who are all looking for the same MacGuffin. I watched this film because Aaron Paul plays the main character, and I am a huge fan. I think he is a terrific actor, but because he's so good-looking and charismatic, I definitely did not buy him as the seemingly normal Los Angeles floater. I think if you're going to cast somebody like Aaron Paul, you got to make the guy an aspiring working model or an actor and just lean into his gifts. That being said, Aaron Paul needs a new agent because... I honestly think he's one of the most talented people acting right now, and he seems to pick up projects that either go nowhere or don't give him the national exposure that he definitely deserves post-Breaking Bad. The guy should be in Oscar conversations. He's amazing. This is the lone film credit for Joss Whedon's brother Zach, Zach Whedon, who wrote and directed this, and uh, unsurprisingly, it feels competently made. The action beats, which are few and far between, are really well done and feel sharp. The acting is great, and I'm always a big fan when we get a Garrett Dillahunt sighting. Love that dude. He shows up as this smarmy government supervisor who really wants David to get another hobby. The film unfortunately suffers from a very flimsy script. Aside from the terrible inorganic clues that David keeps finding, there are also the issues of Claire's character and the unbelievably unsatisfying ending, which I'm not going to get too deep into. But let's talk about Claire. We've learned that Claire is not necessarily who she said she was, thanks to the detective who initially took the missing persons case. She never went to the school she said she did. She never lived where she said she did. Clearly, she's a person who's trying to hide and create a new life for herself. And that's a setup we get. We've seen it a million times. But we also know that at certain points, for unknown reasons, she has to get up and leave at a moment's notice. 
which begs the question, why would she commit to a serious relationship? And more so, why would she keep committing to serious relationships, as we soon find out that she did the exact same thing to another guy in the same city? Los Angeles is big, but it's not that big. I mean, somebody could have seen her around and clued her ex in. Most of what we learn about the couple is done through flashbacks, but none of it really seems like it's somebody's real life. Several characters make decisions that seem extremely silly, and the decision to go back to a familiar place in the final scene paired with a non-ending left me feeling a little bit cheated. It seemed at that point that Zach Whedon wanted us to believe that the film was about their relationship this whole time, rapidly cutting between past and present before giving David a seemingly impossible choice when he's clearly in shock from some very recent trauma, and then cutting to black in a way that felt like it wanted to be some kind of Bonnie and Clyde moment, but instead just left me feeling feeling sorry for David and the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad year he just endured for what seemed like very little payoff for him and for us. I'm dancing around spoilers here, but honestly, if you've seen any thriller or mystery film in the past 50 years, you're not going to be surprised by anything that happened. Now, I don't know what the release strategy for this film was, but I can tell you that whoever handled it totally fucked up. It was released in just seven theaters, probably, I'm, I'm guessing, L.A. and New York, and it made about $1,500 its opening weekend. And while I don't think it was a great film, it's certainly better than that kind of disrespect. This is just three years removed from the Breaking Bad finale, and Aaron Paul was still, in my opinion, a hot commodity. I watched this on HBO Max, but a Blu-ray was released, which you could snag for around 10 bucks. and while it doesn't sport much in terms of special features, it does surprisingly have a director's commentary. If you're a big fan of Aaron Paul, this is a fine watch. It has some genuinely suspenseful beats, and it's always fun to predict where a first-time director's career will take them. You know what, I'd recommend this to fans of mysteries or Philip Marlowe-type detective films which are even referenced in this movie. Ultimately, I gave this 2.5 stars out of 5 on Letterboxd. It's almost time for the podcast that wouldn't die to come on and talk top 5 horror comedies. But first, let's talk about the hunger that wouldn't die and the cure. Today's sponsor... Sabor de Soledad Cheese Puffs. What is happiness? Maybe it's the search for artistic achievement. Maybe it's Sabor de Soledad Cheese Puffs. At least these are fun to eat. They have real cheese flavor and come in a few different varieties. Baked cheese for a delicate crunch, quick fried cheese for a crispy crunch, or bull semen. Now if you want to be really happy, you could dedicate your life to artistic expression. Or you could just eat the cheese that goes crunch. Note that eating support of Soledad cheese puffs may cause positive pregnancy tests. Keep away from small children as the cheese dust may cling to nose and mouth and prevent breathing. This product has not been tested by the FDA or literally any other agency. Eat at your own risk of getting addicted. Welcome back to the Force 5 podcast. My guests tonight are Aaron and Kevin, hosts of the amazing horror-focused show, The Podcast That Wouldn't Die, What Is Happening, My New Podcast Friends. <laughs> We're doing great. Thanks for having us. Thanks for coming on. I'm excited. Uh, Kevin, we met uh, earlier in the year on a Middle Class Film Class podcast. We did some trivia together, and we both got smoked. But uh, it's good to see you again. And Aaron, to nice to well. meet you. Nice to meet you. Now, for those listeners who are unfamiliar with the podcast that wouldn't die, what is your show all about? Podcast that wouldn't die, we discuss guilty pleasures and forgotten classics of the horror and sci-fi genres with a comedic twist, we hope. Um, generally, we pick movies that, you know, we grew up watching or random suggestions from uh, people we know or strangers and we try to goof on it a little bit. 
Right. I mean, there are some ungoofable movies, and they better be pretty goddamn good. Otherwise, we're not going to review it. If it's terrible and so terrible we can't even make fun of it, it's not. It, it's not even hitting the cutting room. <laughs> it's out of here. Yeah. Well, it's it's tough to make fun of a film like Don't Look Now, but you managed to do it. <laughs> <laughs> that well, is true. That was not uh, difficult at all to make fun of. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, you know, there's only so many times I could see Donald Sutherland's ass. You know right, what I mean? Well, and, <laughs> really? <laughs> I could watch I it all limit. day long. <laughs> <laughs> we can do a compilation because he also shows his ass at Animal House. I mean, is that in his contract? Is that like Mel Gibson, like in his youth? Yes, he was the first Mel Gibson. <laughs> Hopefully not. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, folks, you got over 200 shows in the can now. So I got a quick question for both of you. I'm going to start with Aaron. Are there any films that you've seen for your show that have surprised you? Films maybe you thought you'd like and didn't like or films you thought you would dislike and then ended up liking. Are there any films that surprised you? Well, honestly, it's always the films that you always remember being a fucking amazing. And then you look at them years later and you're like, oh. <laughs> I mean, we didn't review Porky's, but when Porky's came out, I literally thought that was the funniest film. And then I watched it 10 years ago, and I was like, I was mentally ill. There was something wrong with me. <laughs> I, I probably saw that 100 times when I was a child, and now it's like, you're mentally ill, Aaron. It was a family that, classic. It was not a family classic. <laughs> and I just want to throw Highlander into the mix. I remember... Being in college and someone was playing it at an after-hour party. It was like two in the morning. I was drunk as a lord watching Highlander and thinking, this movie's fucking genius. And then again, watched it recently, and I was like, oh, shit. Sean Connery's still awesome. Let's let's not forget that, but the rest of the movie was shit. <laughs> the, re the real question is, what did you think of Porky's 2 and 3? Yeah, I passed on those. Kevin, <laughs> I'm sure I, your, I your fevered mind of your youth caught all that. I feel like I saw Porky's 2 the next day, um, and I don't think it was as good. I don't know if I ever saw Porky's Revenge, honestly. There's only so much Porky's I can handle. I didn't get the How about if I handle. told you my high school took me to see that? Like the administrators? Or what are you talking about? <laughs> I was at a boarding school, so on the weekends you can sign up to go to the movies. So that was the movie. My school drove me to go see Porky's. And you were only in fifth grade at the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, in, for the 80s, that was good, clean fun. I mean, I watched... <laughs> yeah, acceptable. I watched... Uh, it was high Revenge, I watched <laughs> Revenge of the Nerds fairly recently. I still think it's hilarious, but it is so inappropriate. It is ridiculously like they could never make Revenge of the Nerds today. Date I mean, rape is be so banned. much fun. It's Date so rape? much fun. Hours of yeah, exactly. Panty raids. I mean, it's it's a freak show. There may be some inappropriate uh, '80s films coming up on our list here later on. Uh, I, I bet. We'll see, <laughs> uh, Kevin. What about you? Any films that surprised you one way or the other on your journey? Yeah, there was there was a movie that I had heard of, but I had never actually wound up seeing. It was called Happy Death Day. And oh, yeah. I knew nothing about it going in. And it is a lot of fun. It yeah, is really it was, pretty, it was it was surprising. It was. It, it's you know, if you haven't seen it, it's like Groundhog Day, 
where she's basically she's murdered by a serial killer at the end of every day, essentially, and she's trying to figure out who's killing her. It was great. It yeah. was great. If you haven't seen Happy Death Day, rush out right now. Yeah, I agree. There's a couple of recent really good horror comedies like like Happy Death Day. Absolutely. One of which will definitely make my list later. Now, before we get into our list, one more question I have for you. I always like to give my listeners a window into my guest movie tastes. So again, I'll start with Aaron. What are some of your favorite films of all time that might not make our list today? Well, Rosemary's Baby is probably one of my my favorite, favorite horror movies. And it's not going to make our list. I guess it's a comedy, depending on your sense of humor. Um, <laughs> not on my <laughs> list. What? <laughs> I mean, Mia Farrow's acting gets a little wackadoo by the end. You're like, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you wandering around in a taxi cab? Ain't you got no family, lady? I guess not. um, Basically, I like it if it's so bad it's good or that it's really, really good. But I don't want to be scarred for life. And I don't like torture porn. Mm Mm-hmm. That's that's my musical taste. So Hostel the Musical, uh, I don't, I'm not going to go see it. What if the music's really catchy? <laughs> well, I am going to go see Evil Dead the Musical at our community theater come October. So we'll see. I'll have to wait for the reviews. Kevin, what about you? Favorite films of all time for you that, that wouldn't make your list today? Um, I mean, this is a good question because I, I did have I have a bunch of honorable mentions on my list. I always say of, of all, any genre... Uh, my genre. favorite movie uh, is Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's oh, that's the choice. one I, I pull. I mean, I, I watched it recently uh, to prepare myself for the Dial of Destiny, um, and it is still dynamite. I, I heard some, it. I, I heard somebody talk about how Indiana Jones in that movie is so he's so dynamite, but he really doesn't affect the plot at all. Do you notice that? <laughs> I've heard that too. It's like, I read somewhere that the Nazis wouldn't even have found the Ark if it wasn't for him. (laughs) Way to go, Indiana It's like the English patient. He he was the one spilling all the tea. (laughs) Very sad. Nonetheless, I enjoy it. Um, uh, One movie from the horror genre that I have loved more and more. Oh, as the years have passed, and oh, I've mentioned I know I'm it a thousand times to Aaron. I'm gonna hate it. Is Halloween three season of the witch? <laughs> oh, I love Halloween three. Thank you, thank you. A man of taste. Um, it is not like an excellent film, obviously, but it is so off the wall that you can't help just to just be swept along by its majesty. You know what I mean? We talked about how uh, one could argue this is a comedy. But it is not on my list because I, I excluded all unintentional comedy. But, <laughs> I, but it's just bad acting. But, but it's a hoot. It is. It's a lot of fun. It's throwing. It, you're having a party. Show. You know, people are drinking. Put it on, and just just sail away. It's great. By put it on, you mean the mask, right? <laughs> yes. Put, <laughs> put the mask on. I was wearing, I went to uh, a St. Patrick's Day party and I was wearing a green silver shamrock shirt. Nice. And it's one of those, if you know, you know. I used a uh, silver sham- shamrock as one of my fake ads a while back. I think probably on a Halloween episode. <laughs> That's great. That's a great idea. 
let's get into our topic tonight. We're going to be doing top five horror comedies. What was the inspiration behind the topic? Was there a certain film that you guys saw that you, you thought this would be a great topic? Or is it just because you're hosting a horror film show? What, what was the impetus for this? Look, we host a horror show and we love scary, like legitimately, you know, they set the mood, you know, and like The Conjuring, for example, whoo. It is. It is love very love the Conjuring right? series. But... Love the Insidious series. Well, let's not get carried away. Hey, but... hey, hey! <laughs> to to kind of turn it and go in the opposite direction. I also love. I love camp. I love camp. If it's done well and it's clever, I don't mind a good horror comedy. In fact, some of my favorite films are horror comedies. You know what I mean? If it's done, if it's done deathly. Um, I think, I think it's an untapped resource, honestly. I was really, really excited that you chose this topic because obviously that means I get to rewatch a bunch of horror comedies that I love, which is already <laughs> on my list because the next movie that I'm working on writing is a horror comedy. It's the first time I'm tackling that. Oh, sweet. Like, mashing of genres, and I'm super excited about it. So You know, Kevin you. has uh, written a screenplay or two. Oh, <laughs> Whatever happened to that that zombie island situation, Kevin? The, let's just say it's in turnaround. <laughs> nice. I thought you should present it to community theater. There, I saw Night of the Living Dead at my community theater, where you only watch an hour of the show, and then the whole second hour is, what if we change this? What if the black guy doesn't get killed at the end? What if... So it's like Clue? What if it's a happy ending? No, no. Everybody dies in the <laughs> end, no matter what. Every scenario. It's a sad situation. All right. Well, uh, did you narrow your list down in any type of way? Kevin, I know you said films that weren't intentionally comedic were taken off your list. Was there any other way that you kind of pared your list down? It was hard because I wrote down just the first five that came to me. And then I started kind of digging through my files or whatever, looking at my, my movies that I own. And if a movie files? could kind of... My, Your my files? Files. I don't have files. I don't know why the I said X that. The X-Files? You know, exactly. <laughs> my Rolodex. Um, and, but, it, like, uh, if a movie could bump one from the list, then it did. And if it couldn't, then it went on my honorable mention list. So very scientific and we will have time at the end to talk about those honorable mentions that were not mentioned during the during the episode how many are on that list kevin what do you got like 20 yeah you got about 20 i have exactly five you do you really (laughs) you have no i i'm not so much a comedy horror i want the ghosts to scare me and while i can still sleep at night i'm a little hesitant to turn off the lights i have some on here that that you know, filled both uh, buckets. So there you go. All right. Yeah, I think the only way I really narrowed mine down was, number one, I kept the real big hitters off of my list because I wanted to give some smaller movies some shine. And then just like you, kept the unintentional comedies off of here. These are things that are meant to be horror comedies. And uh, I also made the rule, there's only one on here. There's only one that was on a previous list but it wasn't on a traditional top five list. So that's why I'm keeping it on here. But there were a couple that I went back through my files. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's been on a list. I can't use that. That's been on a list. Can't use that. So there are three that would have made my list, but didn't because they were on top five lists before. We're going to have to tell us what the, which are the ones you eliminated beforehand as well. 
Well, I don't want to talk about those yet. We can do it at the end. Yeah, 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 they may come up, but if they don't come up, they're on my honorable mentions. So I, I gave myself no such restrictions. <laughs> I just put down the fo- first five that came to me. All right, well, ranked sure in no some... particular order. <laughs> That's not allowed, Aaron. <laughs> I'm sure we're gonna have some some great recommendations for people. Aaron, Kevin, the podcast that wouldn't die. Are you ready to get into our list? Let's do it. You know what's gonna happen? Mm-hmm. You know what's happening here? Kevin, number five, what do you got on your list? Waxwork. It's 11.45, let's go. Imagine, if you will, an exhibit in fear. It looks a little spooky, boys. You think we should do this? A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. Ooh, scary. Your fascination with ghosts, monsters, and the many unearthly elements of the supernatural. Welcome to the Vexler. Look. Now this is killer. Enjoy. Wow, the glasses from Nutty Zombies from Hell. Lose yourself in it. Do you like a closer look? Really? But whatever you do, don't step over the rope. Absolutely. Wow. When I first had a YouTube show, the very first movie I did was Waxwork because it it has the comedy. It's got David Warner and Zach Galligan from Gremlins. Uh, it's got, what's his name, Michu, the, the little person who answers the door. Yep. It's got... Was that before or after he was in Ringling Brothers? Or was he fired for doing this like David Knott <laughs> yeah, from yes, American Horror career. Wolf in London? Absolutely. That was the end of it. No, it is... <laughs> look, it is wacky. It is wacky. And I always say, if you watch Waxwork and you only watch the last 20 minutes, it, it's, it's well worth it. Because the ending is so off the wall. It is like, they literally go like, I don't know how we're going to end this. Let's just have like a full on like Royal Rumble with all the crazy wax characters coming out and then random townies showing up and and handling it. It is so uh, bananas that you can't help but enjoy it. So number one on my list, excuse me, number five on my list, number one in my heart. Number five is (laughs) Waxwork. All right, Waxwork. I haven't seen this one for listeners like me who haven't seen it. What is Waxwork about? The <laughs> there is a waxwork that opens up in this college neighborhood for some reason. And as <laughs> they're trying to get people to come in, and as they come in, they kind of push them into the the tableaus or whatever. And they enter the world of the tableau and are killed by the monsters that live in each of the waxworks. So it's it's a waxwork of like I think they said like the most evil people of history, but then it's like there's a werewolf, you know what I mean? There's not a living dead, so who the, who the hell knows? And if he, there's 18 <laughs> of them, and if all 18 uh, tableaus, you know, kill somebody, then they all come back to life and take over the world. And David Warner is the guy who runs uh, the waxwork, and Zach Galligan is the college kid and his friends. Deborah Foreman from Valley Girl is in it as well. Uh, who plays, she goes into like Marquis de Sade's uh, tableau, so whipping. 
It's very bizarre. She's into it. She was into it. <laughs> she was. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. And Patrick McNee is in it as uh, his uncle, uh, Zach Gallagher's uncle, who's wheelchair bound. and Poor Patrick McNee. Good old Avengers. You know, I, I ran into him at the supermarket once. Did you talk to him about <laughs> waxwork? I did not. I stared at him and then I ran off to the car. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Waxwork at number five for Kevin. Aaron, what do you have at number five? I, I think we should have a show where we rate all the, all the horror movies that takes place in a wax museum. You got you got your Vincent Prices, you wax. got Hammered, you got you probably have like a, a whole show right there. Paris Hilton. That one's underrated, I think. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> all right, so my number five. Maybe Michael J. Fox's greatest work to date. It makes you laugh. It makes you cry. It makes you a little bit scared. It is, in fact, The Frighteners. It's a great choice. And sometimes when I talk about it, I accidentally insert bits of hocus pocus. So watch out for that because it's been a little (laughs) while since I saw it. For some reason, there's a dead cat and a ghost child in my description of the Frighteners. (laughs) But it's great. It's got a mystery in it. And then he has ghost buddies and sidekicks. And one has a runny nose. We don't need to see that. Um... (laughs) But it was great. I thought it was great. And they base it off those real-life couple serial killers. So it, it's got... So they can say, based on a true story. And for again, for those who haven't seen it, I have seen The Frighteners and love it. And I'm disappointed that I forgot about it because it probably would have made my list if I had. Uh, what is The Frighteners about? So The Frighteners is about... Michael J. Fox is like a like an investigator. He's just scamming people and doing like seances. But then he comes across... Um, crap it's been a while so I was like, he comes across someone and it's like real ghosts start talking to him and they're trying to force him into uh he, he ends up being tricked because it's the serial color ghost trying to hook up with his girlfriend so they can continue their crime spree so how's that what have i forgotten and there's a cat and a little boy <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I think the most important part of that of the synopsis is that he he can see ghosts, and the way that he scams people is by having his friendly ghosts go in and like act like vengeful ghosts, and then he goes in and wipes them out, basically, you know, part of their ruse, and that's how he gets paid. And then he does it one time, and a very evil ghost appears, and that's where shit goes sideways. What a great uh, premise for a movie. It, I mean, it's so much fun. It's so much fun. There's so much going on. I mean, yeah, I think it, it totally holds up. So he's Haley Joel Osment? Is that what you're saying from The Sixth Sense? He sees dead people. He's like Haley Joel Osment using his power for nefarious uh, for nefarious <laughs> scam <business>. people. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, all right, number five for me is also from the 80s, 1984. It's a movie called Night of the Comet. Oh. This is uh, one that I have so much fun with. It's about, well, the, the IMDb thing says, two girls from the valley wake up to find that a passing comet has eradicated the world and left behind a mysterious red dust and a pack of cannibal mutants. With the help of a friendly truck driver, the girls save the earth from a villainous think tank karate chop their way through flesh-eating zombies, and of course, find time to go to the mall. And uh, 
I I just have so much fun with this movie. It's got two girls, uh, Regina, who is called Reggie, and Samantha, who's called Sam. And the reason that they're alive is because they slept in steel containers at night. Just coincidentally. Yeah. Yeah. Quinky dinky. (laughs) One in a movie theater. And then uh, they were in like the projection booth and then Sam in a steel shed because she and her mom got in an argument. Those tough shed, man. They, what did they put that in the ad? Yeah, you could survive a, the <laughs> comet red dusting. But uh, ultimately, their journey is to get to a military base that's in the desert with the hopes that that's where they'll be saved. But this movie is just so much fun. It features two great, strong female protagonists. The scenes that take place in the mall are particular highlights. I love the girls getting just going wild in an empty mall. It's every kid's dream. And I'm sure I saw this when I was a teenager. And it's like, oh, that would have been so much fun. And then, of course, there's a shootout featuring one of the best movie lines of all time. I'm not crazy. I just don't give a fuck, which is like, oh, such a good, such a great line. Um, Like it has some social commentary stuff with the Reaganism and the consumerism. Mm -hmm. But it's not that that draws me in. It's the two leads. Catherine Mary Stewart is in there as Reggie. She's from, uh, shit, what was she in? The Apple. She was in The Apple. She was in um, Weekend Out Bernie's. And then Kelly Maroney, who was also in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. And they just feel like real characters. They feel like sisters. It's a lot of fun seeing them get in and out of situations. Apparently, a remake's in the works. I'm not excited for that because even on a shoestring budget, I watched this recently. uh, I think Scream Factory put out the Blu-ray. And it's still... Stands the test of time. Still looks good. Still is uh, as prescient as ever. And shot at the Sherman Oaks Galleria, which is just like a favorite. Whenever I'm watching a movie from the 80s, it's like, that's the Galleria. Like, Eric's Revenge, Phantom of the Mall is in there. Oh, yeah. Chopping Mall. Uh, even Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Was it Jackie yeah. Brown? Or am I? No, that was in, um, God, in Torrance. That was I can't remember oh, the name, but that's Tor- that's Torrance. I think a recent one, Crazy Stupid Love, was shot at the okay. Galleria. That was in the eighties. That's where you wanted to go. Yeah, the the Galleria, all kinds of movies there. But uh, yeah, Night of the Comet. If you've never seen Night of the Comet, strongly strongly recommended. Written and directed by Tom Everhart. So that's my number five. It is so much fun, and I don't know how you'd even remake it. It's so quintessentially eighties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how do you how do you remake it now when nobody gives a shit about the mall? <laughs> right. Know? Maybe it's an outdoor like, mall. Yeah, maybe they go to the Amazon warehouse. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> on, on Interstate Five here in California, absolutely. That's where it all takes place. Yeah, let's go there and look at brown boxes. <laughs> all right, Kevin, number four. Number four on my list is Tales from the Crypt: Demon Knight. Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight. This was the first of what was supposed to be a long series of Tales from the Crypt movies. Uh, this one stars uh, Billy Zane and oh, Billy William Zane his finest. Oh. Jada Pinkett, uh, uh, she was known at the time as in the CCH Pounder. Dick Miller. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Thomas Hayden Church is in this. It's, it is truly an all-star cast. In this one, uh, basically, there is a mystical key uh, that holds the blood of Christ. And all the other universes in the multiverse have been have been plunged into darkness, except for this one. And basically what happens throughout time, one person is chosen to be the guardian of the key. And every however long, 
a demon knight, K-N-I-G-H-T, shows up and tries to get the key, basically, to, to plunge the universe into darkness. So it is it is fun. Billy Zane is eating the scenery like you would not believe. <laughs> yeah. Dynamite. Uh, Bill Sadler, also excellent. Excellent. At one point, Thomas Hayden Church, like, spits a loogie on a demon and, like, there's a scream and, like, and William Sadler just goes, hey, they hate that. It was, <laughs> it was, it's, it is hilarious. I'm not saying it's the scariest movie you will ever see, although it does have some genuine uh, kind of scary moments, uh, but it is, it is hilarious. It's hilarious. And I don't understand why they didn't make more. They made one more, uh, Tales from the Crypt, Bordello of Blood, with yeah. Dennis Miller and Corey Feldman. Okay, need I say Shit, more? We haven't, we haven't watched that. That sounds <laughs> right up my alley. What are you talking about? Don't speak so soon. Uh, they, there was one more, I think it was called Ritual, that was supposed to be the third one, but by then they just kind of removed all the tales of the uh, from the crypt references and just released it as a straight, I think, it was straight to video with like Jennifer Grey and uh, uh, what's his name, Sheffer from uh, Nightbraid. What the heck's his name from some kind of wonderful? Is it Craig Sheffer? I, I don't remember what. Anyway, that that guy from the river runs through it. They were in it and it didn't do well, so that, then it the dream died. Womp so womp. Because there was no Billy Zane. So what do no you No Billy do? Zane. Demon Knight. I get all my Tales of the Crypt stuff kind of mixed up in my head. Is this an anthology movie or is it just a straight up hour and a half long tale? It, it's a straight... The way the movies were supposed to be is it's one tale. It's just Got one it. story. It's like... Uh, not like um, Tales from the Dark Side that came out a few years earlier or one of those... Other, yeah, it was just one story all the way through. All right. Cool. I mean, it's got a great cast and... Uh, yeah, maybe I should check that out. I know that also has a Scream Factory Blu-ray. Dynamite. Aaron, number four for you. Well, this film, I'm going to call it a film, is not billed as a comedy. How can it be anything else? Motel Hell. You may never again spend a night away from home. After you spend a night with Ida and Vincent. Ida will show you the way. You want us to uh, register? No, that won't be necessary. Your most terrifying nightmare could never prepare you for what happens to the guest. <laughs> think in the years to come people will appreciate us for what we're doing here i have a surprise for you oh goody i love surprises <laughs> that's a comedy now that is comedy hijinks there there is there is nothing beyond that i mean you have uh you have people stuffed into the ground to soften up their muscles so they can make delicious sausage uh, you've got, what is it, Rory Calhoun? Yep. Uh, you got his, oh my God. You've got freaks. You got cannibalism. 
you got a machine that's, that, that they have built just to put the harvest the human. And if you're bad, they give you the little chop chop. Or how about when they pull the bags off and they've, they've cut off their vocal cords and they're singing comedy hijinks. Comedy hijinks. I think Motel Hell is supposed to be a comedy. It absolutely is. I'm not sure. <laughs> but it is <laughs> It is for me. It's got one of the best horror masks ever. Right. With the pig head. <laughs> it is it's just so beautiful. It's it's creepy and awkward. It can be cringy, but it is hysterical through and through. It takes all I kinds guess, of critters. I guess you're right. <laughs> do, do the whole tagline. It I takes all kinds of critters to make Farmer Vincent's That's fritters. Awesome. Maybe that'll be another <laughs> fake ad. Farmer's fritters coming up. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, Motel Hell at number four for you. Okay, my number four is uh, coming way out of left field. I don't anticipate anybody having heard of it, but I would be delighted if you have heard of it. I was going to put my favorite horror comedy musical on my list, but I had just talked about it not too long ago. So I couldn't do that. So I wanted to get another horror comedy musical on it. And this is the one of the weirdest movies I've ever seen. It is called The Happiness of the Katakuris. It's from 2001. It's a Japanese film. It's by Takashi Miike, who is known for, I mean, he's worked in every genre, but probably best known for Ichi the Killer, 13 Assassins, Gozu, Audition, Audition. Dead or Alive. Yeah. Um, he's, he's like, a, he does everything. Kids films, manga films, like everything. But his horror stuff and his, his gore is some of the best ever done so the imdb description for this movie is a family moves to the country to run a rustic mountain inn when to their horror the customers begin befalling sudden and unlikely fates now what that does not explain is that the innkeepers then bury the bodies in the area around the inn so that the deaths don't mess with their business so they don't turn any, any of these people over to the authorities. They don't call anybody. They just take the bodies and they bury them out back. <laughs> it also does not convey how completely batshit crazy this entire film is. So I mentioned it is, obviously it's a horror comedy. It's also a musical. So it has these big dance numbers, but it also has an interactive karaoke section complete with lyrics to sing along with. That obviously I, I couldn't read because they're in Japanese, but you get it from the <laughs> subtitles. And it has these fever dream like claymation sequences that would probably do severe damage if you watch this movie on psychedelics. <laughs> it's absolutely crazy. And just to give you a, a, a taste of like what I'm talking about when I say that it's crazy. Uh, one of the people dies while he's riding. He's, he's like swinging on a swing out in the yard and the the chains disconnect and he flies off a cliff. Uh, there's a couple, there's a sumo wrestler that's having an affair with a young woman in one of the rooms and he dies of a heart attack and she suffocates underneath him. Like absolutely crazy out there. And of course, at one point there's zombies. This is a really weird, really wild movie. Uh, I looked up to see if there were some clips on YouTube and there's one of the claymation clips. If you want to know what you're in for, just look up the claymation clip that's on YouTube from the happiness of the Katakuris and you'll know what you're in for. It is um, 
it's wild. And the one I'm talking about, I don't know if there are others on there, but the one I'm talking about involves a bowl of soup. It makes me nervous because I'm I'm familiar with Audition, but I have elected not to watch it because basically what I've heard about it. So with a bowl of anything from uh, Mieke makes me a little nervous. Oh, yeah. His, his <laughs> horror stuff is not for the faint of heart. I wouldn't say Ichi the Killer is horror, but it is certainly one of the more disturbing movies I've ever seen. I don't know if you've seen that one, but it's no. a gangster movie that's... Um, oh, yes, 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 yes. Absolutely. It's got some great imagery. Like the guy has his, his... The sides of his mouth are held together with staples, and when he smokes a cigarette, he keeps his mouth closed, and the, the smoke comes out of the sides <laughs> of his cheeks. But it is also it has some stuff in there that you'll never forget, <laughs> not for the faint of heart. And the happiness of the Katakuris is right in that same realm. Oh, perfect! <laughs> <laughs> so there you go from two thousand one. I don't know. I think that one has a. I think Arrow put that one out on Blu-ray. If somebody's wanting to check that out on physical media, so that's my number four. My number three. Number three is Return of the Living Dead. Return of the Living Dead. Um, it's kind of, it's, <laughs> it claims to be a sequel of Night of the Living Dead, but it's not really. They, they reference Night of the Living Dead uh, as if it was a true event that, that it really occurred. Uh, although they're aware of the movie as well. Like, yes, we've all <laughs> seen the movie, but the, you know, that Hollywood messed it up, as you know. And some, some people at the, the local, um, like warehouse, medical supply warehouse, accidentally bang on the drum that holds one of the bodies, releasing the poison gas, which reanimates everything in the warehouse. So there's like little, there's butterflies pinned to the, to the board, flapping. There's half dogs for like uh, veterinary training that are barking and, oh, oh God, that's right. <laughs> like, oh God, I forgot about that. And oh, so they decide to get rid of the evidence because they'll get in trouble from the government, I guess. Uh, and they take, they take, one of the cadavers that that they had, you know, for medical, it's a medical supply, and take it to the <laughs> crematorium across the street, burn it up, and all the gas goes out into the cemetery right there, and all the <laughs> corpses from like the Civil War crawling out of their graves. Meanwhile, uh, you know, one of the workers' buddies, who are all a bunch of punk rockers with mohawks and uh, chains, show up. And, and lunacy occurs. This was a movie that I saw when I was 11, and it scared the shit out of me. I had nightmares. I stayed up all night, and next like next morning was Sunday. We're going to church, and I was thankful for it. I'm like, please, if I need to pray for my soul, because I am, I am so terrified. Then I saw this as an adult, and I'm like, this is freaking hilarious, because every line in it, Every it is so it is so funny. The one guy they they take a pickaxe and stick it into the uh, one of the cadavers' heads because it's flopping around, and they're like, "You gotta hit the brain." And he's like, "I hit the fucking brain." It was dynamite. It was. If you haven't seen it lately, rush out and see it. Return of the Living Dead. Yeah, I love this one as well. Really fun. I mean, anything in the Living Dead universe, I think, is great. But that's one of those things where. Uh, the living, you could, you could, uh, when they split the rights off of Night of the Living Dead, mm -hmm. there were 
different rights and different scenarios. So there are things that are canon in the return of yes. or the Living Dead network, and then there are things that are not. This one's not considered canon, but it's no. fucking great. It is great. Well, I, I read somewhere it was George Romero, obviously, is the guy who did Ret- or Night of the Living Dead. But he co-wrote it with a guy named Russo, I believe was yeah. his name. And he had owned the rights to the name Living Dead. That's why all of George Romero's sequels are just called Dawn of the Dead, not Dawn of the Living Dead. So he had the rights to that, and he sold. He wrote a script, and they hired Dan O'Bannon uh, to turn it, and he basically just threw the script in the trash, came up with his own stuff, and this is the movie that came up with the idea that zombies crave brains. All the brains, brain stuff starts with this movie. Sweet, sweet brains. Sweet. <laughs> Send more paramedics. Yes. I mean, if you're Dan O'Bannon's reason enough to watch it, if you've never Absolutely. seen it, the uh, guy who wrote Aliens and what he wrote, Total Recall, right? I believe it, right? He was a dark star in the 70s as yeah, well. Yeah, dark star. Oh, yeah. It's, it's classic. Return of the Living Dead at three. Aaron, what do you got at number three? Mine was not intentionally a comedy. Uh, It got a 10% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's a little film called The Forest. I saw it at the theater. It's about this girl whose sister goes missing in the Japanese suicide forest. And there's the warning, She, I have to go out and find my sister. She wouldn't have disappeared. And... It's the stay on the path, which, of course, throw care to the wind. It was so fucking ridiculous that by the end, and I'm there on a Friday night, opening opening weekend with all the high schoolers, it turned into the Rocky Horror fucking picture show. People were, like, too lazy to get up. So people were just shouting shit out at the theater, and it was so much better than the whole film altogether. It's a bunch of people. I don't know who the fuck they are in this film, but every bad mistake, you can see it coming from a mile away. You know, it starts off all good and creepy. You know, it's the suicide forest, and I Googled it's like a real place. And little demons are coming at night. But in the end, it was so fucking ridiculous. But it still made like $30 million. It only cost 10 And that's with a 10% on Rotten Tomatoes. So if you're bored, go check it out because it starts up strong. By the end, you're like, what the fuck? And that's what people were shouting at the theater. So this is one that was uh, that was entirely bolstered by your experience at the theater, surrounded by people with the same mindset as you. People were encouraging the characters to have bad things happen. Oh, yeah, go in there. Go in there now. (laughs) Absolutely. Stab him. Stab him. He's a hallucination. Stab him. Yeah. It was great. It was hysterical. My friends and I had smuggled in a bottle of wine, so it just added to the magic. So, The Forest, go check it out. Well, I had never heard of this film, so I just pulled up the letterbox <laughs> on it, and I'd like to read the first three reviews here. Don't worry, they're short. Uh, <laughs> the first one says, I think this is about how Japan's horrifying suicide rate scares the hell out of a white lady. <laughs> the second one says, yikes, this is a mess. And the third one just says, fart noise. <laughs> <laughs> So, so have some friends over, get out the box wine, 
make some popcorn, and settle yourself down. There you go. The Forest from 2016. Get your Carlo Rossi on. <laughs> Franzia. Franzia. Yeah. Carlo Rossi comes in glass. This ain't that classy. Well, I'm from the Bay Area, so I got to give you 40s wine some shine. <laughs> All right. Um, number three for me is, a, is billed as a comedy. It's very, very entertaining. It's from 2006, and it is called Slither. Throughout the years... These classic horror films had one thing in common. From Universal Pictures comes a film so shocking. Uh, we've got a real problem here. So disgusting. Don't let him in your mouth! It will change the face of horror. They're doing things to people. Turning them into some kind of monsters. How's everybody's evening? Good? Good. It is written and directed by James Gunn. I think this was his directorial debut. Although he had been working on movies for a long time. He was a part of Troma. Lloyd Kaufman's company. Yeah. yeah. Um, So Slither's about a meteorite. It touches down in a small town in South Carolina. Of course, the meteorite was carrying slug-like parasites that use humans as host bodies. Of course. What what else would it have? Absolutely. They infect a rich guy. And yes, his name is Grant Grant. <laughs> and he uh, he's, the, he's like the local uh, magnate or whatever. And he uses a local woman as a breeding host. When she releases the slugs, they start infecting everybody in town. And then they're all hive mind controlled by this dude, Grant Grant. So... It's up to a, a small group of people led by Nathan Fillion and uh, Elizabeth Banks to, to fight. It is pure B-movie chaos that invokes so many movies of the 80s, including the one that one that was almost, almost made my list, Night of the Creeps. Oh, yeah. But I was like, well, I got Night of the Comet, and uh, I'm going to have Slither on there, so that one went to my honorable mentions. Uh, Shivers, The Brood. It has a really goofy, really fun vibe to yeah. it. But it's also gross as fuck. Like it is so disgusting. Oh, is that the so one gnarly. where it's, it's like crawling between her legs in the bathtub? Yes. Yep, yep. Right up the side of the bathtub. Elizabeth Banks was too good for this movie. <laughs> she's oh, she's so good in it. The whole cast is really great. Nathan Fillion plays the police chief. He's trying to round up the survivors. He's just like really this naive doof. Um, Elizabeth Banks, like you said, she plays the wife of Grant Grant and. Uh, She's trying to figure out what's going on with her husband, who's played by Michael Rooker, and he's constantly, at first, he's coming up with excuses as to why he's mutating. It's like, uh, oh, it's a bee sting. <laughs> and then there's <laughs> some line about, would you believe it's poison ivy? Uh, it also has Greg Henry. <laughs> yep. And both both uh, Greg Henry and Michael Rooker would work with Gunn again on the Guardians of the Galaxy series. And then you get a, a Jenna Fisher appearance, who yes. of course plays Pam on The Office, but she was married to James Gunn at the time, so she gets a small role in there. Um, if you're interested in seeing Slither and you've never seen Slither, don't watch trailers, don't go on YouTube, because one of the more impressive reveals in the movie is this woman, Brenda, and a lot of the thumbnails even on the videos show Brenda. And I just, oh, I remember that being one of the most terrifying and most funny moments of that movie where Felion's reaction as he walks into this bar and he's just like, so uh, what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, oh, it's just absolutely disgusting. 
Slither, not for the faint of heart, but uh, also really funny from 2006's buy number three. Agreed. Absolutely. I, I love Slither. I'm not it's on so my list. Fun. Spoiler alert. But it is it is hilarious. It is freaking hilarious. It's, it's like for sure mean, a Kevin pick. It, oh, no question. Uh, you mean Lyme, Lyme disease turns you into a squid? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> and they, 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 play, uh, they play Air Supply, You're Every Woman in the World. That was, <laughs> that was in all the commercials. Yep. Dynamite. If you haven't seen Slither, rush out. Yeah, wow. We have, all right. So, so far, no crossover on our list. We've each got two picks left. Yeah, a lot of great recommendations. Kevin, what do you got at number two? Number two for me is The Cabin in the Woods. Um, This is a more recent film. And this is one of those movies where I was home. I was just like, oh, let's just see what's on Prime Video or whatever. And I saw it. I knew nothing about it. Not at all. I think I had heard the title at one point. I sat down and it was like, this is my new favorite movie. This is Dynamite. It is so, it is inventive. It is creative. Uh, it, it pulls upon the tropes all around it. For people who haven't seen it, basically a group of college kids go to the proverbial cabin in the woods. But what they don't know is that there's like some kind of government uh, agency that every so many years they have to do a, a basically a sacrifice to the demon uh so that the world doesn't isn't plunged into darkness again a lot of being plunged into darkness going on here so it's like they are setting up scenarios to essentially kill off these uh these college kids to save the world and of course the college kids don't know they just you know they're just living life, and then these things start occurring to them, uh, and the fun begins. It's got Bradley Whitford. It's got Richard Jenkins. You got Chris Hemsworth in an early role, which is hilarious. Uh, Pre-Thor. Way before, well, you know, a couple of years. I think they filmed it and then shelved it, and then it came out, uh, I think, around the time he became Thor. So it is... <laughs> It is it is dynamite. If you are a horror file, you will just you'll be noticing references left and right. You're, oh yeah, that's referenced in this movie. Oh yeah, that's referenced in that movie. It is amazing. If you haven't seen it, rush out and see it. Much like you, I went and saw this in the theater knowing nothing about it and loved it as well. This is one of the heavy hitters that's on my honorable mentions that I did not put on my list on purpose. I'm sure I've talked about it on this show before. Love it. The Hemsworth motorcycle stunt, when that happened, I was just like, blew my mind. Because as the audience, that's the moment where you find out what's going on. But it's uh, absolutely brilliant. Dynamite. Yeah. All right, uh, Aaron, number two. Little shop, little shop of horrors, little shop. Oh, my God. I love little shop of horrors so much. If you're shopping for a fearless hero, a striking blonde, a dentist, a hip DJ, and a really funny plant, stop and shop at the Little Shop of Horrors. Big fun is in store. That is incredible. At the Little Shop of Horrors. You ever go to the sing-alongs? No, I'm in a small, terrible town in California where we don't have such <laughs> beautiful, lovely things. Uh, small trip down to town. LA. <laughs> I know. 
Uh, Little Shop of Horrors. You got your Steve Martin. You got your Rick Moranis and other people. Did you call it Rick Moranis? <laughs> Shut up. A dude works at a flower shop lusting after the blonde chick. He discovers an alien plant who can make all his wishes come true. The only price is then he's got to go chop up people and, and feed them to Audrey. Audrey too. So, based on the Roger Corman film, which is not as good as the musical, you're ridiculous. It is fantastic. <laughs> I could have put a bunch of, I could have put Rocky Horror in here too. It's not so much scary, but scary themed. I figured this might come up. I figured this might come up. And uh, it is very, very funny. I mean, nobody beats Steve Martin and Rick Moranis in, what was this, 87, 86, 87, somewhere around there. The music is all done by the early writing teams that did the early Disney's. The music's dynamite. Yeah, just an amazing comedy duo. Which makes uh, a great segue into my number two, which also features an amazing comedy duo. Now, long before Marvel was doing their cinematic universe, there was another film that successfully brought together a cinematic universe, and that is the Universal Pictures classic Monsters in Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein from 1948. The nation's top comics, Abbott and Costello, petrified but hilariously. Dangerous and terrifying Wolfman, played by Lon Chaney. Plus that fiend out of a nightmare, the vampire Batman, Count Dracula, played by Bela Lugosi. Plus the most dreaded creature of them all, the Frankenstein monster, played by Glenn Strange. Plus a couple of luscious but designing females in the spookiest laugh fest on record. This is uh, just, oh, it's so funny. I'm sure everybody knows who Abbott and Costello is, but people, especially younger listeners, might not understand how important they were. They were some of the highest paid actors in Hollywood. They became the highest paid top tier entertainers during the Second World War. They were everywhere. In the 40s alone, from 1940 to 1949, they were in 25 films. And their first horror comedy was called Hold That Ghost which I think came out in 41, 41 or 42. And um, I could have put that on here because that is a really, really funny movie. And it's got the candle gag. I think that was the first appearance of the candle gag, which they used many, many times, but it was just so, so great in that. But I went for the more obvious choice of Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein because number one, it's never made a list on this show. And I really wanted to correct that. And number two, Again, if modern horror fans or younger audience members have never seen this, it's easy to see, and it's so much, it, it's got so much influence, and it's still so funny today. So Abbott and Costello, they play Chicken Wilbur, these two baggage clerks at a, it's like a train depot, like a train station, and they take possession of these two crates, one with Dracula's coffin, and the other has Frankenstein's monster, and then they accidentally let Dracula out. And he enlists the help of a scientist, and his goal is to kidnap Wilbur to use his simple brain to animate Frankenstein's monster. And it's just so funny. But there are so many things about this that are important. First off, they brought all of the actors who played the original monsters, like Lon Chaney plays the Wolfman, Bella Lugosi plays Dracula, and even Vincent Price's voice makes a cameo as the Invisible Man. Uh, the only one that didn't come back was Boris Karloff. He refused to play the monster, but he was... 
he was still involved in like the marketing of the film. Second, they never cheapened the monsters. So they are playing a straight up horror movie when the monsters are involved. It's Abbott and Costello that are providing the laughs, being their, you know, normal slapstick selves, knocking on knocking their heads on things and all kinds of just zany stuff to provide those laughs. But it is really scary and it is really, really funny. It also re-energized Abbott and Costello's career. They were like dropping in uh, popularity at the time. They were both going with, through health issues and they didn't even want to do the movie. I, I think it was uh, Abbott who said, or maybe it was Costello who said, um, he said something like, my five-year-old daughter could have written a script better than this. <laughs> <laughs> and so they they got him in with a $50,000 bonus pre, pre-release and... Everything was amazing. It ended up being one of the most popular films of that year. It was the second highest grossing movie Universal did that year. And it was the cheapest movie that they put out that year. And it probably saved Universal Studios from bankruptcy because they had already dropped a bunch of actors from contracts that year. It was uh, it was a big deal. And uh, I mean, it was such a success that they did so many other meets movies. They did uh, The Killer Boris Karloff. They did Abbott and Costello Meet the Invisible Man. They met The Mummy, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I actually watched um, The Killer Boris Karloff, and it was actually really good, too. Because Abbott and Costello are fucking funny. And yeah, nobody knows about them. I mean, we probably only know about them because our mom loved all these old movies. And yep. back before cable, you had, like, what, four channels? I mean, the dial went up to 13, but there's only four. Right. So... <laughs> And there was no content, so you were watching Abbott and Costello because it was on. You were watching The Three Stooges because it was on. Oh, yeah. Boom. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I've but seen... But stuff holds up. I've seen Abbott and Costello meet uh, uh, Frankenstein's... Yeah, Absolutely. no question. Yeah, it's just so funny. And the sla- the slapstick stuff is part of the comedy, but the wordplay is the other part of the comedy. Right, who's and on just first? so good. <laughs> who's on yeah, first? Yeah, that's their most famous yeah. one, obviously. But there there are so many moments. Um, the Wolfman is trying to warn the guys that this that Dracula is going to try and get their brain. And because he's turned into a wolf, there's like a tug of war where the wolf's trying to... You think the wolf's trying to kill him. He's trying to just get out of this hotel room and neither one knows what's happening. It's just, uh, it's, it's really funny. So highly recommended at number two. And like you said, you, you think you're just getting Frankenstein's monster, but then here's the Wolfman and here's <laughs> Bella Lugosi as Dracula. I mean, you get, they give you the, the full, the full Monty. So there no, you go. I mean, they were sna- it's snappy. They're funny together. There's always like the straight man and the comedy, the comedy dude. I mean, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Aaron feels I'm the Abbott of our, of our team as well. So there you he's go. The, he's the Jerry and I'm everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we've got our twos in the bag. We've all got one pick left. I mean, there are, there are going to be some really amazing films left off of our list. I'm looking at my honorable mentions, and there are there are at least two that people are going to be shocked if they if they aren't talked about. So, Kevin, your grand finale here, my friend. What do you got at number one? I've got eight on my honorable mentions. Oh, just sweet baby. Jesus. I've got <laughs> I got a bunch. Oh, no question. I was adding more. I'm like, oh, that's a good one too. My number one, and you might argue if this is a true horror comedy. But the comedy is so amazing. Arguably one of my favorite comedies ever, Ghostbusters. Are you troubled by strange noises in the middle of the night? 
Do you experience feelings of dread in your basement or attic? Have you or any of your family ever seen a spook, specter, or ghost? If the answer is yes, then don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go Ghostbusters! Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your supernatural elimination needs. We're ready to believe you! It is, I mean, it is, you watch it, oftentimes, the comedies of the 80s or the 70s, little dated, little yeah. dated, you're like, okay, I, I've heard this, you know, it was funny at the time. Ghostbusters still holds up. And the way Bill Murray, well, I mean, Bill if Murray, you are, that's all you need to say. That's all right you need there, to know. Bro. For those of you guys who haven't seen this movie, what the fuck are you doing with your life? If you haven't seen Ghostbusters, it is a team of scientists from the local university are thrown on their asses because they're pulling hijinks. They form their own company where they will do paranormal investigations and eliminations. And for some reason, there's a lot more paranormal stuff going on in New York these days. And they're going to find out. out there. It's freaky. And you got you have Bill Murray... You've got Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, Ernie Hudson, Sigourney Weaver, Rick Moranis. It is a who's who uh, of comedy gold, frankly. I mean, again, if you watch the scene where Bill Murray shows up to the possessed Sigourney Weaver's house, pretty much every line that he gives, and you know most of this is just ad-libbed, just off-the-cuff Bill Murray. It is hilarious. He's like, ooh, I guess the flowers worked. I mean, he's, it's more of a guideline than a rule. Every line is, is amazing. It is amazing. Genius. Genius. It is, it is genius. So, um, and there are some genuinely scary moments. I'm not going to say it's going to, you know, have, give you nightmares or anything. But it, it's, it's a real film. I mean, Dan Aykroyd wrote the original script, and it was like 300 pages long. And they, Ivan Reitman, who was the director, I mean, you know, the, the legendary director of these comedy films, they, they shaved it down into something manageable. And there's a, there's a whole bunch of stuff about this. John Belushi was originally supposed to be in it, but he died. Eddie Murphy was going to be in this. Um, and then, of course, when he didn't do it, then they cut the role down for poor Ernie Hudson. Who Ernie yeah, Hudson is dynamite. Though. I love Ernie yeah. Hudson. Um, but it's, I don't know what else to say. It is great. Comedy gold. So good. Uh, my wife and I just watched this maybe three months ago. She had never seen any of the Ghostbusters movies. Well, you just just need to see the one. This is the one is you the need rule. to see. Well, yeah. I, I think this one is good. And I think the, the newest one is also pretty good. The one with Paul Rudd. And I had just gotten that one on uh, Blu-ray and she was like, she wanted to watch that one. I said, well, you got to watch the original first. So we put the original on and it was, it still holds up. The refrigerator bit with the portal to another world is amazing. Sigourney Weaver has never looked better. It's yes, uh, it's great. That's the bedroom. Nothing ever happened in there. What a crime. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, what a great line. <laughs> All right, Kevin's got Ghostbusters at number one. Aaron, what's your number one? Shaun of the motherfucking dead. When the dead walk the earth. Any zombies out there? And evil is everywhere. One man holds the future in his hands. Here they come! Look out! Are you all right? Shaun of the dead. Oh, thank God for that. 
This is one of the two big ones, yep. It is the movie that brought me around to the zombies because I was so traumatized when my school took me to see Zombie when I was 14 <laughs> that I could not deal with the idea of zombies. Just the, the whole thought of that. That's why I had to read all the Max uh, Brooks books, just to prepare, just to get ready, because it is going to happen and we're all gonna just fucking die. Uh, so, but this is the movie that brought me back to the zombie movies. It is scary and hysterical. And the two main characters, their relationship together, the end when his buddy's tied up in the shed and they're playing games together. It's beautiful. It's just beautiful. There's nothing wrong. There's not a, a, a thing I would change. This should never be remade. It is perfect as it is. I mean, this is the movie that introduced me to Simon Pegg. It introduced me to Edgar Wright. Um, and it has, when it's doing zombie stuff, it's real zombie stuff. Right. I mean, at, the, yeah. the, at the climax, there's some real zombie shit going down. Right. So, but it is hilarious. It is spooky, but he's he, Simon Pegg. Come on. Yeah. Nick Frost is great as he's his, great. like, pal. All they want to do is get to the bar and have a drink. And <laughs> yeah, it, it's, this is one of the big ones that I was afraid was going to get left off. I'm glad that you brought it up. It's on my honorable mentions. Uh, Me if too. I was doing the best five horror comedies, this would be either one or two. The other one that would be one or two, which is not on my list because I left it off would be Evil Dead 2, which I'm sure a lot of people will be surprised that not, none of us had Evil Dead, any Evil Dead. It was tough. Younger. It was tough. But what I went with at number one is one of my favorite movies that I've seen in the last year. It is Deadstream from 2022. Ooh. Have either of you seen Deadstream? No. Okay. Do you have Shudder? Yes. Okay. This you, you have to watch Deadstream from 2022. This is Sean Ruddy coming to you live from... Death Manor. For seven years now, you have watched me face my fears for your entertainment. There is one fear that I haven't yet faced. I will be spending one night alone in a haunted house. Don't forget to smash that like button, smash that subscribe button, and follow me on Livid. This is the most haunted house in the United States. Death Manor was built in 1880. Mildred lived here for eight years in this house. She hung herself at the end of this hall. Tonight, we're going to be monitoring three rooms, all of which have actual documented paranormal activity. I hope you all appreciate the public service I'm doing by being here. Are you still with what's her name? No, shh, we're here. Oh, come on, that doesn't even look real. I'm not falling for this Photoshop hack job. It's about a disgraced internet personality. He runs a YouTube channel called uh, The Wrath of Sean. His name is Sean, obviously. And uh, you don't know at first what he's done, but he's done something to uh, be demonetized. Like they've taken his channel away and now he's, he's trying to get his followers back. And the way he's going to do this is by live streaming one night alone in this haunted house. Ooh. But when he accidentally pisses off a vengeful spirit, his big comeback event becomes a real time fight for his life. I'm putting it on our list. It's so it's so good. It was directed by and stars this dude, Joseph Winter. And it was filmed during the COVID lockdown. So there's only like three or four actors in the movie. 
but it's so well shot and it's so well made. It looks like you're watching a YouTube channel. It uses like the multiple screens at the same time. Uh, like when he first gets to this haunted house, we watch him as he's live streaming himself, put up all these GoPros that are all connected all over this house. And so he has this tablet with him that he's referring to oftentimes because it's it's um, from his YouTube channel point of view. So he's holding up the tablet to the camera. You got like the nine screens and we're seeing everything that's going on there. It's got like uh, user comments popping up and emojis and stuff like that. Oh, popping very cool. Up all the time. It's got all the trappings of a, of a YouTube live stream. But Joseph Winter is so great as this dude, Sean, who starts out the film like all of these YouTube personalities that we all hate. Like, they're so annoying. Uh, he's repeating his catchphrases. He is doing really funny product placement for the camera. He's going into rooms that he's trying to make you think he's scared, but you can tell he's really not scared. He's mm -hmm. just playing it off for the cameras. Uh, like he's reading up on the history of one place it, and he's like, they were in this very room, but you could tell he's not really scared. That's like that old MTV series, like Fear, where they were like, they all hype it up. <laughs> it's it's just like that. But then shit gets real scary. It is a It turns into a really scary movie. And when it turns scary for the character, then his demeanor changes a whole lot. But it's still really funny because he's in these, he's in these very scary situations, but he's like, saying words like dang and frick because he doesn't want to be demonetized <laughs> because he's afraid that if he swears, he's going to lose his sponsorships. It's just so funny. And then there's this crazed fan that shows up that knows where the house is because she's watching the, the channel. And that's when things get kicked up a whole nother notch. Uh, it is so, so funny. And the reason it's my number one is, number one, it's the one on my list that made one of my lists previously. It was on my top five films of 2022. And uh, it is also one of the things that prompted me to start writing my my horror comedy because it had been jangling around in my head for a long time. And I saw this <clears throat> and I was like, yep, now I got a direction. That sounds dynamite. I got to check it out, man. <clears throat> you got to check it out. Totally worth it. De that's a uh, dead stream from 2022. Dude, I just wrote it down. It's on there. Kevin, you got some honorable mentions. Let's hear what you regrettably left off of your list. Actually, you know what? Before we get to honorable mentions... Because there are uh, three of us, let's go ahead and run down our lists one more time for the listeners. I will go first. At number five, I had Night of the Comet from 1984. At number four, I had the horror comedy musical The Happiness of the Katakuris from 2001. At number three, I had James Gunn's Slither from 2006. Number two was Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein from 1948. And my number one was Deadstream from 2022. Beautiful. Uh, my number five was Waxwork. My number uh, four was Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight. That's K-N-I-G-H-T. Oh. Uh, in case there's some confusion <laughs> with the other Demon Knight. Uh, number three, that's Return. That's the porn. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's something. Number three was Return of the Living Dead. Uh, number two was Cabin in the Woods. And number one was Ghostbusters, the original 1984 classic. All right. And Aaron, you're five. I got no dates. I got number five, The Frighteners. Number four, Motel Hell, which would also be a fantastic musical. Number three, The Forest. Don't go into the Japanese suicide forest. 
Number two, Night of the Living. No, I didn't write that. Little Shop Horrors. <laughs> <laughs> and number one, Shaun of the Dead. Great list. Now, uh, Kevin, you had some honorable mentions. What do you got uh, that we didn't mention so far? These were hard. These were hard. I realized, as I said previously, that a number of the uh, ones that actually made my list kind of tug at my strings. You could argue that the ones left off are, are far superior films, but this right. is my special list. It's your special list. Because it's my special list. Because you're a special fella. That's me. <laughs> uh, Night of the Creeps. If you have not seen Night of the Creeps, it mm-hmm. is a hell of a good time. It, it was the movie that brought the slugs turning you into, into zombies thing. And I think it inspired James Gunn with uh, Slither. 100%. 100%. Slith- which Slither was also on my list. So I, I would take nice. them both. No question. Uh, Shaun of the Dead. Obviously, we talked about it. Dynamite. Right. Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness. Both on my list. Um that was a hard oh, one. You, you combine those because I love Army of Darkness. He is so fucking hysterical. Bruce Campbell. Bruce that is most Campbell is my patron saint. Go for Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Young Frankenstein. Yeah. The uh, Mel Brooks, Gene Wilder classic. Uh, Happy Death Day, which I mentioned briefly. Reanimator from the mid-80s. Oh, yeah. It is. <laughs> There's a part where he he murders the guy and just says plagiarist. Anyway, <laughs> you have to be there. Uh, and Jennifer's body. If you haven't seen yes. Jennifer's body, that was another one of those like Happy Death Day. Well, I didn't know anything about it. I'd heard of it. it came out a couple years prior. I popped it in, and it was dynamite. Dynamite. Jennifer's yeah. body. That one was ahead of its time. Absolutely. That's Diablo Cody, uh, Megan, uh, Megan, Fox, Megan Fox, and Amanda Seyfried. Good ones. I had a lot of those on my honorable mentions as well. Evil Dead 2, Shaun of the Dead, Cabin in the Woods I mentioned, Night of the Creeps was on my honorable mentions. Almost put Gremlins on there. Almost. Me too. The ending is really scary. Like the, Especially the toy store scene where he's being stalked by uh, by the Gremlins. It's Yeah, that, that is scary. Uh, two that I left off my list, but almost had on there, but I went back and realized they were on other lists. One was The Editor from 2014. Have either of you seen The Editor? No. No. So The Editor was on my top five movies about movies list. Uh, it was, it's it's basically a Jollo spoof, and it's very, very funny. It's made by the guys who did Psycho Gorman. Okay. which is also on my honorable mentions list. It's really, really funny. They do the whole kind of Italian giallo thing where some people are dubbed and some people aren't. <laughs> love it. Love, <laughs> I do love the giallo. Very, very funny. And then the horror comedy musical that I had on my honorable mentions, which is one of my favorite horror movies that I've seen in the last five years, is called Anna and the Apocalypse from oh, I've heard of it. 2017. If you have never seen it, it's no. time to put this on your list, but wait until Christmas because it's a Christmas movie. <laughs> and it's got some great Christmas music. It's got songs on there that we play now on our Christmas playlist because it's so good. <laughs> but it's very bloody. Uh, it has some very emotional moments like people that you've fallen in love with during the movie Aww. die. Um, it's it's really, really good. But I had it on my top. I had it on my five underrated Christmas movies list. So I, I didn't put it on this one. Good list. 
Uh, Aaron, you said you did not have any honorable mentions on your <laughs> I have this fucking list, and now I can't find <laughs> it. I'm not just, like, texting people and ignoring you, because now I can't find the fucking list. But I did have Zombieland on my uh, oh, yeah. list. And then I, I had, you know, Army of Darkness, because why wouldn't you have Army of Darkness? Yeah, people are going to be real mad we left Evil Dead off, but... Well, they can join the show and do their own list. Absolutely. Say to people that it was hard, mad. though. I, I thought about it. Was. I was looking at the list for a long time, staring at Evil Dead 2. Yeah. No question. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get out of here. we got to do some plugs first, though. The podcast that wouldn't die. What do we have coming up uh, on the show? Got anything planned for like the Halloween season or? We just burned through all our cushions. So we're, we're not at that point where we're allowed to plan. It's more like, can we record three episodes of this week? <laughs> <laughs> we, we've got, uh, let's see, Ghoulies is out this week. Uh, Forbidden Zone with uh, Oingo Boingo's out next week. Don't, don't watch Knights. that movie. By the of way. the Oingo Boingo. Uh, you didn't want to put the... that down as one of the comedies? Yeah. Well, I used to have a huge list, but apparently I, I must have deleted it while we sat here. No ghoulies on your list, huh? <laughs> not, not, uh... Is it trying to be funny? That was kind of the thing, where it's just like, I, I, just because there's weird, <laughs> little weird slimy creatures, I, I don't know if they're trying to be funny or if it's just weird writing. Uh, <laughs> these are questions. Uh, in two weeks, uh, Phantasm. Is coming out, so you have that to look forward That's to. That's a Good classic, times. not Absolutely. a comedy. All right, so go switch over to the podcast that wouldn't die. Where can I mean? I'm sure people can listen to it anywhere you can listen to this show, so it should be easy to find it. Any other website that you want to promote or links that you want me to put in the show notes for you? Well, we're also on the YouTube now. Ah, <laughs> or should we say stuff. again? That's right. We're we're on YouTube. We do TikTok, little crazy videos on there. Instagram. We're on Threads lately uh yeah. me too i don't post shit but i'm on there <laughs> yeah so you have that to look forward to uh yeah we're and you can listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts anywhere the finer podcasts are available hey this show is a fine podcast so anywhere you're listening to this you can listen to the podcast that wouldn't die this about wraps up this show but please let us know what your favorite horror comedies are and curse us for leaving off the evil dead franchise on social media at force five pod on twitter at Force5Podcast pretty much everywhere else, and of course via email at Force5Podcast at gmail.com. Links to everything Force5 and the podcast that wouldn't die are in the show notes. In order to support me, tell everybody you know about the show any way you can, and review the show wherever you are listening. The Force5 theme song comes courtesy of Nate Spears, and the top five list bumper was produced by me with music by Audio Binger. Until next time, stay safe, stay sane, and go watch some horror comedies because it's October, you heathens! Thank you.